0: This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know. Now, one of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. <laughs>
1: I to
2: tell the air, push across
1: on something. 13 was like, 20. 11, we got shots
0: fired.
2: 13 shot fired. I to saw the air. 47, Good evening, this is beyond the badge. What you just heard was actual dispatch transmission between Officer Leopard and dispatch uh, regarding the shooting death of Jaquez Clemens. We talked about that shooting last week on this show. It occurred in James Casey Holmes Projects in Nashville, Tennessee. And I actually told you how familiar I was with that uh, housing project because I had worked in that housing project as an officer. Uh, What's interesting is I didn't realize until now is that Officer Leopard has the same call sign that I had years ago, uh, Frank 13, uh, to be more direct to Frank 13, to being uh, identifier of East Precinct, uh, Frank, the letter F, for flex unit and 13 was his unit. Uh, So that tells me that Officer Leopard was a member of the flex unit, which I served with in East Nashville when I was there during my time. Uh, So not only am I familiar with James Casey Holmes' projects, not only am I familiar with what what happens there, it's ironic to me that he actually has the same call sign that I once held. Uh, But I wanted to play uh, a little bit of that sound for you as we started the show. I'm gonna play a little bit more, but I think this case deserves Another go-around here on Beyond the Badge. Not because of my personal stake in it. Uh, truthfully, I have no personal stake other than I used to work. Nashville PD used to work. James Casey Holmes used to be Frank 13. Uh, but the the reason I think it needs, uh, you know, another go-around on this show is because it's actually starting to pick up traction. Uh, there were some things that came out this week that we'll discuss, and I'll break down for you. I'll play a little bit more of the sound Um, and we'll go from there, Uh, but I know Mr. Clemens was uh, funeralized a couple of days ago in the city of Nashville. Uh, The media was out there, and it kind of reminded me of, you know, the funeral of Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, uh, Eric Gardner, all the funerals that we had saw in the last couple of years. It kind of seems like we're getting back to that place, a place that I kind of thought we were past, but obviously we're not. And that place is, remember, I've always said that there's no accountability for people's actions, only finger pointing. And I've already, you know, read some reports, heard some statements that uh, Mr. Clemens was murdered, uh, you know, this and that. Uh, But I always go back to one very important piece, and that is accountability. And then I always go back to the question I always ask. How many people knew the name Jacques Clemens before February tenth, two thousand and seventeen? Now, besides family and people he assaulted himself or people he sold drugs to himself, nobody knew his name. Now, am I saying that I'm happy he's he's dead and gone? No, that is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, no one was holding him accountable for his actions prior to and the day of February 10th, 2017, that led to his death. It was not the officer's actions that led to Mr. Clemens' death. It was Mr. Clemens' actions that led to to his death. Quite simple. Again, officers react to the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. They also use force up to... Deadly force based on the individual's actions and noncompliance. Now, when the initial stop of Mr. Clemens turned into an assault on that officer, and several other assaults on that officer, and then a gun falls out of Mr. Clemens' pocket, which he then retrieves, what does that officer to think? Well, I can tell you what he was thinking. He was thinking that there was an imminent threat of serious bodily injury or death. We've heard this on the show before. An imminent threat, imminent meaning immediate, in your face. Oh, shit, it could happen right now. There was an imminent threat of serious bodily injury or death. Mr. Clemens had fought with the officer at the onset of the traffic stop. Just like I've always said, there's no such thing as a regular, routine traffic stop. He was pulled over for running a stop sign. It's captured on surveillance cameras. And as soon as he exited the vehicle, what did he do? What did he do? He assaulted the officer. And then when the officer gave chase, you heard him key up. Frank 13, I've got one running. Which means he committed another crime. He evaded... He He resisted arrest. He fought the officer two other times after the initial contact. So, I believe the officer could articulate that he perceived an imminent threat of serious bodily injury or death. Because no matter how you slice it and dice it, people don't pull out guns just to scare someone. When someone pulls out a gun, the intent is to pull the trigger, and the intent of the bullet is to kill. That's what they were always made for from the very first time they made bullets. So, of course, in the interest of transparency, Nashville police turned the case over to the TBI, Tennessee Bureau of Investigations. And uh, on yesterday, February 20th, uh, Mr. Clemens' family held a press conference saying that they don't agree with the investigation of the TBI and they cited the fact that the TBI and Nashville police make arrests together. They work together and sometimes eat lunch together. Well, I'm going to go ahead and dispel that rumor. Uh, Yeah, the TBI and and all city local authorities work together. Yes, at some point when the TBI is requested uh, to be part of the investigation. But in my days, my years at, with Nashville Police Department, I don't recall ever just riding along with or being consulted with or consulted by the TBI unless it was asked. And I can assure you, I've never sat across from a lunch or a dinner table with a TBI agent. So that statement in itself is not true. And I think the family, again, is not taking accountability but more of digging and trying to make this a racial issue, because whether the TBI sits down with Nashville police to eat dinner does not change the facts of the case. And the family attorney was concerned that Officer Leopard apparently had eight suspensions in five years. Now, depending on how you look at it, that may sound like a lot, may sound like nothing. What I can tell you from personal experience, when Chief Surpass took over as chief of police and his predecessor since, they would hand suspensions out for pretty much anything. Your shoes untied, this is suspension, it's three-day suspension. Oh, your uniform's wrinkled, it's a suspension. And truthfully, in the course of police work, there's going to be times where you do things that you may get suspended for, not because you are doing anything illegal or unethical, you made the best decision at the time, and for whatever reason it was against policy, or your supervisor didn't agree with it, so they suspend you for it. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad officer, and it certainly doesn't mean you're a racist officer. And this kind of reminds me of the O. J. Simpson trial and Mark Furman and the use of the N word. And you know, the defense wanted to bring that in to just shatter the entire case. But Whether Furman, well, we know he did use the N-word because there were tapes, but the use of the N-word had nothing to do with the evidence, the evidence of the O.J. Simpson case, the blood evidence, the blood evidence in O.J.'s truck, the blood evidence at the crime scene where the bodies were found. It was O.J.'s blood. So, but the defense wanted to bring the fact that Furman used the N-word into it to try to dispel everything. It's the same thing here. The fact that Officer Leopard was suspended eight times before has nothing to do with the events of February 20th, 2017. The fact that he was suspended eight times has nothing to do with the fact that Mr. Clemens pulled out a gun from his person, a felon who was in possession of a gun. Whether that officer was ever accused of excessive force, which is in his personnel file, has nothing to do with the actions February 10th, 2017. Let's look at the facts of the case. Mr. Clemens ran a stop sign, which is against the law. It's captured on surveillance video. The officer approaches, attempts to make contact with Mr. Clemens. Mr. Clemens run towards, runs towards the officer and then attempts to elude the officer. Now, I do want to make a correction after watching some newly released video that the initial contact was not Mr. Clemens, Clemens attacking the officer. It was, he was running towards the officer in an attempt to elude. The foot chase took place, which you can hear in the radio transmission. I have one running. At some point, there was a scuffle, there was the gun, and there was the gunshots fired by the officer. Now, the argument is out there, and there's one group called Gideon's Army in Nashville that says Jacques Clemens was murdered by this police officer. And again, I ask, did they know his name before he was shot and killed by a police officer, or uh, along with that, would they have mentioned him if he was shot and killed by a black man considering he was in the projects with a gun and he's a convicted felon therefore he has no legal purpose or no legal intent to have said gun so would Gideon's army be uh, making these claims if it hadn't been black-on-black crime I doubt it but I digress so the arguments there he was shot in the back and in the hip and uh, we've discussed fleeing felon uh, In these talks on the show and I think you can articulate based on the facts of the case based on the gun based on the fact that mr. Gideon retrieves that gun that there could have been an imminent threat against that officer or for instance someone in that housing project again I, I, I always use this argument let's say that mr. Clemens got away or the officer didn't give chase And then a few hours later, Mr. Clemens decides to shoot the granddad sitting on the porch or the little kid who just happened to be walking by when he was firing at someone else during an illegal drug transaction or something else. I mean, we know for a fact that he was convicted of drug charges in the city of Nashville. And based on my experience as a law enforcement officer, especially in the city of Nashville, especially having worked James Casey Holmes projects, People that are over there with guns that have been convicted of selling drugs are usually up to the same thing. Do you not think I haven't arrested the same people a few times for the same offense? That's what happens. Just like in the Freddie Gray case, those officers knew Freddie Gray to be a drug dealer in the neighborhood. And what did Freddie Gray do when he saw said officers? He fled. Now, am I saying Mr. Clemens had drugs on this person? I don't know. I don't know if that's been released yet. I mean, the TBI TBI is investigating the entire case, and I'm sure if there were, uh, it will come out once all that is complete and the search of the vehicle has been legally done. He could have had drugs. Maybe he didn't. The fact is, the word gun. And it could be as simple that Mr. Clemens himself... Did not want to go back to jail because he knew as a convicted felon, he could face up to 10 years. So it could be the fact that he ran because he didn't want to go back to jail. But we cannot eliminate, we cannot ignore the fact that it was his actions that led to the end result on February 10th, 2017. And to Gideon's army, who who is making the claim that Mr. Clemens was, was murdered by this officer I remind you that you as a citizen of the United States of America, you, the Gideon Army congregation, if you will, have the right to protect yourself or others against deadly force. So I ask you, if the shoe was on the other foot and you had a gun in the vicinity of you and you had just struggled with this individual, whose intention is not to just bring the gun out to scare you, would you hesitate in pulling the trigger Or would you be able to articulate that you felt an imminent danger against your person? Again, we can argue the fact that he was running away, but I can argue the fact and I'm sure many other experts well more qualified than me will tell you that someone can shoot while running away. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to be stationary and standing right in front of you and the stuff you see on TV doesn't work that way. Someone can still shoot while running away, while their back is to you, and still hit their target, or, like I said, hit the grandfather standing on the porch, or the little kid just walking down the street, getting out of school. But let's look at how everyone's trying to spin this, again, instead of taking accountability for the word gun. So this Gideon's Army, uh, released a report, and I don't know where they got this data. Uh, I assume it's factual, uh, They looked at stops of black drivers in 2016, and they took Officer Leopard LePart, I assume I'm saying his name right, and compared it with every other officer in the police department. And it says he was 22% higher of a search rate on blacks than other officers. Now, remember I told you about these funny statistics and what actually brings police neighborhoods. Crime. So it's easy to say he was at 28 percent search rate when he is a flex officer assigned to East Nashville. And again, based on experience, having been an East flex officer, the majority of our time is spent in James Casey Holmes projects because that's where crime occurs the most in East Nashville. So it's easy to say, oh, well, he had a 28% search rate, so he's racist. Or I could argue that based on where he is demographically, 98.8% of the people he comes in contact with are black because of demographics, not because he's out targeting black people. So it's easy to say, yeah, well, the average officer is at 6.5% search rate when they're not working the projects of East Nashville. The entire city of Nashville is not housing projects. There's a lot of nice homes. Remember, it's the country music capital of the world. So there's a lot of well-to-do people living in the city of Nashville. So if you're not in a high crime area and you're not getting stopped by police, chances are you're also not getting asked by police if they can search your vehicle. So yeah, it's easy to say, yep, look how many black people he searched. Look at his percentage compared to everyone else. He's a racist. Or, if you just think about it logically, and look at demographics, and then go back to what I always say, crime brings police, not color. And what happened on February the 10th, 2017? There was a crime. Now, you can argue that running a stoplight is a simple traffic infraction. Correct. It is. But it is against the law. The officer was legally justified in making the traffic stop. And how many guns, drugs, wanted people, have I gotten off a simple, what someone would call a simple traffic stop?
1: shot, on a 54, six.
2: Now let me describe to you what just happened, because I know uh, those that are not in law enforcement, especially in the city of Nashville, don't know those 10 codes. But she heard car 11 key up and say, start me a 47, 1047, which is an ambulance because he said there was a male black who was shot. So immediately after the shooting, immediately after the shooting, police did what they're supposed to do because the number one function of police protect and serve even those that are suspects, even those that had just fought with you. So he tried to get an ambulance there as soon as the shooting happened to make sure Mr. Clemens was attended to by trained, licensed medical personnel. But what's more important is you heard uh, Frank 13, Officer Leopard, key up and say, put me on a 1054 P, 1054 PAW, which is 54, 1054 is armed person. And usually when we would call that out, we'd say 1054 with gun, 1054 with knife, 1054 with lead pipe, whatever the weapon is. But he keyed up with dispatch immediately, he didn't wait hours, he didn't go and try to make up a story or anything like that, he keyed up immediately and said, put me on a 1054 because that code, that 10 code, superseded the 1096 traffic stop that he initially was out on. When you have a traffic stop versus a weapon, guess what, is going to supersede the other So in just listening to that, it doesn't sound like the officer and the officer that was with him, Car 11, did anything out of character or anything out of policy or anything to try to cover up anything. He immediately called for an ambulance. Uh, Car 11 did. Frank 13 immediately put himself on a 54 to let the dispatcher know that the individual he was dealing with that he had just shot was armed with some type of weapon that he perceived as deadly force. And the most important thing here is all of this happened within a minute or two, from the time of the stop to the time of the shooting. So what's gonna be really difficult, and in my opinion, impossible, is to prove that this case was racial, based on the fact that if you watch the video, chances are when the officer initially saw the traffic infraction. He couldn't tell if the individual was black because the officer was parked down the street tactically where he could actually watch the stop sign. And he probably didn't know he was black until he got out of the vehicle. So we can eliminate the fact that he targeted a black man. Now... Someone will argue well there's only black people in James Casey Holmes. It's not true. I've dealt with plenty of white people in James Casey Holmes back in my day. So to take something that happened from start to finish in 2 minutes or less and to make it racial based on all of the evidence. Forget the the previous complaints of excessive use of force or forget the numbers that we heard from Gideon's army about how this officer searches black people more than any other officer in the department. Forget all that. Let's take the facts of the case and the gun and analyze that. And I would submit to you to, to take that evidence, to take the circumstances of February the 10th, 2017, look at it at, as a totality Put yourself in that officer's shoes. I know I can because I've been there. And let's not forget, this is the same housing project where just months ago, an officer, a white officer, was beaten by several individuals, and it trended on WorldStar, and everyone thought it was so cool. I didn't see Gideon's army then saying how this was wrong, but now all of a sudden, an individual they didn't know before fe- February the 10th, that this officer murdered him. And I take you back to April 14th 2016 where Brian Shannon was beating the former officer of the year, Matthew Cameron and James Casey Holmes projects. No one was in an uproar about that. However, if that officer would have had to have used deadly force in that situation, when he would have been justified considering he was surrounded by several individuals that were close to his weapon and at any time could have grabbed his weapon or Assaulting him to the point of death Then I think the situation would be different. There would be people accusing that officer of murder Again, I say accountability Because no one was in an uproar Gideon's army BLM Al Sharpton Benjamin Crump President Obama because he was still in office then no one was in uproar when this individual was beating this white officer Now you have a white officer in the same housing project, just one block over, who had to use deadly force, not because he's racist, but because he had no choice. And now, all of a sudden, the stuff has hit the fan. All of a sudden, police are bad guys. Police are the devil. He stopped 28% of black people. He searched 28% of black people. Therefore, he has to be a racist. And I wonder what people would be saying if Mr. Clemens had shot and killed this officer. Yeah Pretty much nothing. You know how I know, because I've seen articles, I've seen blogs when my friend officer Eric Muma, who drowned trying to save a person's life, at his funeral, people were saying, "Well, what about Jacques Clemens?" Police killed Jaquez Clemens. so why should we feel sorry for this officer? Why should we care that his mother lost a son? We only care about Jaquez Clemens because he was murdered by a racist officer who had no right to stop him. That's what people are saying. That's the sick, demented world that we live in right now. So here's my prediction. Uh, The TBI, like I said, is investigating the case right now. I really don't think they're gonna find anything uh, that the officer did, most importantly, illegal, unethical, based on the facts of the case, based on the situation at hand. And remember, officers have a split second to make a decision that can affect their lives and the lives of others. That is the nature of policing. So I don't think the uh, TBI is gonna find anything that the officer did wrong. Uh, The family, of course, is going to Uh, Still claim racism, still go after the officer, the officer's family, the Nashville police. They're going to probably demand that Chief Anderson, who I'm not a big fan of, um, you know, I had left the department before he became chief, but I knew him while he was acting chief. But I respect uh, the man, I respect his authority, I respect what he's done for the city of Nashville, but I'm sure they're going to. Demand his resignation, you know, the same stuff we saw in Baltimore and in Ferguson. Um, And that's going to be the future of Nashville for the next several months. But I don't see this officer being brought up on charges. If he is, it's only to appease the community. Uh, But, you know, they did that in Baltimore. and We see how that worked out. Uh, The officer that was brought up in charges, Officer Wilson in Ferguson, we see how that worked out because, like I always say, the law of the land and articulation is what these officers go by. The law of the land and articulation. And I think any reasonable person could articulate the level of threat that was there between that officer and Mr. Clemens. Now I'm I'm two for two for two on these predictions. I predicted Ferguson, I predicted uh, Baltimore, and I'm predicting Nashville that I don't see any charges coming out of that. You may like it, what I said, you may hate what I said, but I go by the law of the land, just like any court in America does, despite what you may believe about it going by color. And of course, now it's time for uh, my 10-7 segment. And I think it's only, only fitting that I talk about an officer that was killed actually yesterday, police officer Keith Boyer of the Whittier Police Department in Whittier, California. And you'll see the relevance of what I'm saying here in just a second because it ties to a felon in possession of a weapon, just like Mr. Clemens was in Nashville on February the 10th. And like I said, felons in possession of guns have no legal intent, no legal purpose of having those guns other than commit crimes. Uh, police officer Keith Boyer was shot and killed as he and another officer investigated an accident near the intersection of Colomio Road and Mira Vista Street. The officers did not know the vehicle c- that caused the crash was stolen and being driven by a gang member who had just been paroled. Just been paroled. Gang member paroled equals felon in possession of weapon. The parolee had just committed another murder hours earlier. Hmm. What did I just say? Felons in possession of guns have no legal reason, no good reason to have those guns other than to commit crimes. As Officer Boyer attempted to conduct a pat-down of the subject, the man suddenly pulled a handgun from its waistband and opened fire. Officer Boyer was killed and a second officer was wounded. Despite the wounds, the officer returned fire and wounded the subject. Officer Boyer was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. Officer Boyer had served with the Whittier Police Department for 28 years and was preparing to retire. He was survived by his three adult children and his parents. Three adult children and his parents. Now, I don't care how old your children are, there's nothing like losing a parent. So. This officer that had given 28 years of service to the community died yesterday at the hands of a convicted felon in possession of a weapon. I want to thank that officer, Officer Keith Boyer, for his service to the community for 28 years. I pray for his family. Godspeed to you, my friend. I thank you for listening, and I will see you next week right here on RadioInfluence.com.
0: To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy, Quick Fix, on Radio Influence.
1: The minimum wage is, um, you know, it's going to be going up pretty significantly between now and and 2020, which is having us kind of orchestrate everything a little bit differently as far as payroll, because ultimately I think that is what's really going to be um, killing the. Hurt, really hurting the business I agree. as far as food costs and, and, and the whole diners experience and, and just the flow, you know, what, what, what is the concepts going to be moving forward? Is it going to be order at the, the counter and then it just gets delivered to you, um, at the table or, you know, it's hurting the a little bit more of the fine dining, but man, it's going to be up to, you know, $17 at some point, yeah. you know, it's going to be out of control, out of control. So you know, is it? You know, how? I, I ultimately think it's going to be built into the the food costs. I think it's going to kill a lot of small businesses out there. Um, you know, it's it's pretty dramatic.
0: Yeah, it's been it's where, been crazy. Where it's going? I mean, the the whole thing. You know, we've been talking about it. I'm dealing with the. A big group out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, right now. We're opening a property down in Tampa, and the owner of the company is very aggressive with what he wants to do. And the whole tipping policy is really coming into play, and whether or not we're going to do that. And so it's it's a scary time, you know. I mean, when you think about it, you know, I can sell a. I mean, this is something stupid, but you can do a fifty cent or seventy five cent wing on a Monday night because it's a you know it's a football special or it's a feature or something to that effect. Now you're going to be doing like a dollar a dollar fifty per because you have to pay your staff. You know, I mean, your staff is now costing you, you know, double the amount that it was before. It's a scary point, man. Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.